0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast. As I'm sure you know, this is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking him the questions. Matthew will say hello now. Hello now. And everybody who's listening or watching (laughs) us on YouTube, I'm sure at this point, really embraces Matt's literalism (laughs) in responding to that introduction. Almost as much as you embrace his puns, and hmm. I would like to make a public call now for the puns to stop. <laughs> this episode, you reached a new high. <laughs> I thought you'd already.
1: What's 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 great, Sean, is
0: I think you would already reached me. a low point, but this one you really yeah. plumbed the depth It's
1: it's not just it's not just me that write these scripts anymore. It's like I have a couple of researchers that help me, and one of the guys that helps me, his name is Antonio, and he helps me on a bunch of these scripts, and he is. He takes my puns, my, my level of puns, and he kind of one ups me. So it's like when I get like drafts of some of the scripts he's helping me with, he has some puns in there. Sometimes I have to cut some of the ones he's putting in there because he's he's going too far for even me. Right. So I find it pretty funny. It's
0: great. So we have yeah. two basically we have multiple people coming up with puns for every episode. So yeah, you that's can, why they're you getting can, overloaded. You can make a drinking game of it. Um by the time <laughs> yes. you finish a ten minute episode, you will be buzzed. Yeah, Yeah, more than buzzed. (laughs) (laughs) Just a quick reminder before we get into the episode, the ways you can support the podcast. You are already doing the most important one right now. You are listening to the sound of my voice or you are watching us on youtube. (laughs) Both of those are a great way to support us. If you want to support us directly, you can go to still and I've been working on saying that faster so that it's actually there's no breaks between the letters still tbd.fm still and yes. there is a link there that allows you to provide a donation directly to us but whatever you're able to do whether it's listening or providing support directly we appreciate your time and your listening. Some comments on our last episode and of course this one was on the perovskite solar panels and there was a lot of discussion around this around the the shift in the industry from Uh, it's interesting that I still think of this as such a new industry, but it's now the more traditional or old school solar panel industry versus the new. Mm -hmm. Um, it's interesting to have reached that, that point in the growth of this, of this industry. The first comment that popped out was from Remy Melanie and Remy hit kind of a sad note. She says, I can't wait for these to become mainstream, but it sucks because my mom just got solar for the family home. And I (laughs) wanted to point that out to you to allow you to give a little bit of a response because to me, Uh her mom getting solar at this point isn't a bad thing.
1: No, it's not. It's like, there's always going to be something. It's like the new iPhone or the new whatever. It's like, there's always going to be something that one ups, whatever you get. It's like, get what's right for you right now. That solves a problem for you right now. And don't worry about the new tech that's coming. It's like, whatever your mom got, it's going to last her for 25 years. So Right. No regrets. Move forward, enjoy
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say Remy, you can applaud your mom for being one of the people who's pushing the industry forward. Yes. By buying in now, if everybody waits for the next best final version, it's finally achieved peak perfection, here it is. If everybody waited mm-hmm. for that moment, we would never get there because the industry would not have enough people in it consuming it to drive it forward. So I give a a round of applause to your mom for jumping in now and doing something that's not only going to benefit her and the home, but resale value and moving forward with the overall industry, pushing it all forward. So good job, Remy's mom. Yes. There was also this from Dizzy Rock and Dizzy, maybe you should sit down. (laughs) Dizzy writes, Hey guys, I have a question or perhaps a request. I don't have many friends who like talking about green tech. In fact, they shrug the subject off and I'm left feeling a bit lonely. I really do find the subjects you cover so fascinating. Can you build a community forum or a discord chat so that I can chat and speak to like minded people and Matt I wanted to throw this your direction because I believe you already have this kind of community that you're building related directly to your main channel.
1: Yeah, on my main channel, if you become a a patron, I have a discord channel for my patrons. So it's a, it's a closed community. It's pretty small right now, but I've actually been toying with the idea of opening up an aspect of my discord channel for a broader audience. That's not a patron. Um, So there would be like channels within my channel where it's patrons only, but then broader general discussions that could involve everybody. Cause I think it could become a very vibrant, interesting community, the more people we get in there. So I'm, I'm toying with that idea. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah. I think it would be, I I have two responses to that one is to Matt to say, uh, I strongly encourage figuring out a way to, to create a non patron side of, of that community. I agree with you. I also think a lot of the people who are patrons would definitely already be engaged with that. So there would already be an existing community. So that would be, that would be great for people like dizzy who are looking to move into a circle like that. The other response I have to that is to dizzy. If you are thinking about going in and becoming a patron, Matt's patron levels are not exorbitantly expensive. There are, you can basically go in at any tier that you want to, uh, down to a dollar. So yeah, you know, everybody
1: you, it's like, if you have a buck, you get access to the discord. It's it's it, there's no criteria like
0: for donations. Everybody gets in. Yeah. And Matt has always talked about how engaged and active his forums are. So I think that people who are curious about it and jump into it, whether it's through patron or whether it's through a future free version that Matt might create, uh, I I think everybody would be excited to find a community there that's interested in the same things they are. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode. This is why algae could be the plastic of the future. This from September 21st, 2021, we have achieved autumn Mm -hmm. or fall, depending on what your favorite term for this season is. This episode I thought was really kind of remarkable from a number of different angles the main one for me being here's a solution to a problem that's been created by us yes so (laughs) (laughs) um it's kind of a good news bad news situation like Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of dominoes falling which have led to effectively pollution of water through not plastics and other materials, but through just overgrowth of something as a result of the things that are getting into the water streams. Mm -hmm. And then we have to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think a really interesting look at an industry that is a public private partnership to solve the problem for the public while providing private enterprise an opportunity to get a key component, of yeah, of, yep. of a thing that they need to make their product. And one of the comments that popped out at me was from Rock Baum, Bomb who says it's very true that algae has the potential to be the oil of the future. It's also true that oil is the algae of the past. I thought that <laughs> was, <laughs> That belongs on a t-shirt. <laughs> that belongs that belongs on a t-shirt, Rock <laughs> So, get out there, trademark that get it out on a t-shirt and Matt and I will be your first customers. I thought that that was brilliant. <laughs> yes. It really that comment while a great tw- turn of phrase um yeah. really does kind of encapsulate the point of this video yeah. which is we have products we make and people are always going to demand that certain products be made. Nobody's out there demanding like my shoes must be made out of plastic. But people yeah. want shoes. Yes. So you start hitting that point of like, okay, what are we going to use if it's not, you know, there's of course leathers. Well, some people say I won't wear leather because you're killing animals for their skins. There's a whole, you know, there's every Venn diagram available is going to have huge areas of overlap and gaps where there's going to be a question mark around any kind of product you buy in our Mm -hmm. contemporary setting. Yep. it's extremely complicated to say I live 100% ethically according to you, my goals. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. And <laughs> this is a solution to a problem and a solution to a secondary problem for those people who are saying, I need shoes. I don't know what else to do other than buy the sneakers or the flip flops or whatever. And, and some that you, you kept referring to them as sneakers. It's very clear. The shoe industry is not only moving toward figuring out how do we do things sustainably? How do we do things that are environmentally friendly? The shoe industry has to know that unlike other clothing industries, their products immediately go into a landfill. Yeah you know yeah, you end up dumped. with an old suit and you can take that and sell it to a secondhand clothing shop and then 25 years from now it's vintage and somebody else continues to wear it or the fabric can actually be broken down repurposed as yarns and threads for other products and have a whole other life but when you've got a old shoe with a hole in the sole well
1: there's not we a whole to lot rep- to do with it we used to repair shoes i mean it, there used to be shoe repair but now shoes are made in a disposable fashion. Yeah, because it's the cheapest way to ma- mass manufacture them. And so it's, it's like th- the whole issue of systemic change. The biggest way to make the biggest environmental impact is to make the companies that are making all this stuff do it in a smarter, more sustainable way. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I got, kind of gravitated towards looking at this, which was this is one of those ways it's like, they're gonna continue to make these cheap mass produced disposable shoes. Well, how can they do it in a way that's when you dispose of it, it literally just breaks down in a landfill. So it's plastic never does these do which is the, the really
0: cool part which leads to one of the first questions I wanted to talk about which was from Roman T Roman wrote I wonder how did these six month till degraded shoes survive in damp and warm environments with lots of bacteria like being worn on human feet for example this algae foam is cool and it sure has its uses but getting rid of packaging seems like a better way to help the ecology. I buy new shoes maybe every eight months or so, but I have to eat every single day. So he's not wrong to point out that this isn't a, you pick one thing to fix and then move forward. You like, this is something where, uh, like food packaging as he, as he's pointing out across the board, we need to be looking at all of the ways that plastics and other materials get used in our daily life. I live in New York city. This very thing has come up in the past year or so where New York City has put restrictions on plastic bags and food packaging. So we are no longer able you no longer get foam in your food packaging when you pick up food to go or a leftover container. It's uh you get aluminum with a a lid. Sometimes you get a pressed paper that is, you know, clearly intended to be something that's thrown in a trash but will break down. Um but the, the plastics, the foams, they had to be removed because they were literally in New York city, depending on what neighborhood you in, uh, tumbleweeds of plastic bags could blow down the street. It was like, these were things that were a problem.
1: Yeah, it's, it's this kind of stuff. Like I did a video on the mycelium fungus being used for like foam style plastics. It's like, it's. The examples I used in that video and the examples I used in this video are not the only way to use them. It's just, this is one of the big first ways we're seeing it getting used. So it's like, just think about how algae and mycelium fungus in time will end up replacing those foam containers you get for takeout or the uh, plastic bags we get things in or the, you know, those foam, those formed plastic. I, I hate those packages that you're trying to cut them open. You have to cut the thing out and you're cutting your fingers, trying to get the thing out of the package, the bubble packs, it's like this kind of stuff could potentially replace all of that and all of it can be composted, uh, in a waste on the landfill. So it's like that to me is what makes me so excited about this. Of looking 10 years in the future, 15 years in the future, 20 years in the future of how petroleum based plastics may be just gone and this would replace all of it.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of images that were in your video, which demonstrate the use of this in exercise equipment, yep. uh, yoga mats, playground equipment, playground safety, the the foam padding that goes beneath the playground equipment, which mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff wears out. The wear and tear on that is intense and will wear out within the five months, six months. And if this is the future of having a yoga mat and not feeling guilty about putting it yes. <laughs> into the garbage because when you have a used yoga mat that is now degrading to the point where it is literally falling apart and you know this is now garbage yes. but you look at it and think my god what do i do yeah we should those are the very products that we should think the hardest about how do we replace this what is because when you have something that is fundamentally that much of a problem okay it, a million yoga mats are sold in any given place over a year a million pieces of giant foam garbage that will never turn in anything else
1: i mean just think That's about all problem. the that like you go into the the uh, grocery store and you find all those like yogurt to go cups and all those like little individual serving things that people buy in mass here in the united states because of convenience yeah Th- those have even more waste it's like it's better to buy a large container of yogurt than individual containers of yogurt. So it's like not everybody thinks about that when they're shopping to try to reduce how much they're, they're buying. But imagine a day when that plastic is no longer a petroleum-based plastic. So it's like, there's so much waste in our lives that we put up with for convenience and we chuck it into a recycling bin and then it's out of our, out of sight, out of mind, Yeah, which is why it comes back to there's some systemic level changes that have to happen on the industry side of things to try to solve this because we as individual consumers we can't expect everybody to get on board and like do the right thing and stop buying those individual cups. It's like, that's not going to, that's not going to change. It's what what's going to change is if we can get the companies on board with shifting how they're manufacturing it and how they're producing it in a, in a better, more
0: sustainable way. Right. That's when we're going to see the big benefit. On the personal side, one of the things that you pointed out was the consumption of microplastics. Yeah. And There was a lot of commentary around this, and it started in one of the threads with Nighthawk in Light, who wrote, Where did the five grams of microplastic consumed per week figure come from? That's a shocking number. Several heaping spoonfuls of dryer lint every week. From what source is the bulk of that mass being consumed? I before you get into responding to that, I really liked their ability to come up with an image. Yes. Consuming dryer lint. I like that's something you can envision and you could say okay I can envision what five grams of that would look like. Yes. The idea of consuming that I I'm going to give my response and then you can jump in with your your more informed I'm sure response. But I believe that the microplastics simply come because plastic is being used. There is a Mm -hmm. certain amount of wear and tear in the production of plastics that ends up with microplastics just on and in the things that our food is put into. So Correct. you end up with microplastics in your water bottle. You end up with microplastics in your food containers. Your yogurt isn't it? because it's in that plastic container. So we are just it is the pollen in the air. It is the dust all around us. We cannot avoid it because it is simply already a part of making the plastic itself. Am I right? That's you,
1: that is, that is a huge part of it. Yes. Everything that you eat or consume that's stored in a plastic container has microplastics in it. So that bottle of Dasani water that you get, and you're drinking that whole bottle of water down, you've had a small amount of microplastics in there. Cause it's just, it's the plastic dust and the bits that are just in the bottle with the water or in the bottle with the sour cream and the sour cream container. Um, another a- big aspect is like seafood. There's a ton of, a ton of microplastics in our oceans and all the fish are eating that stuff up. And then we cook the fish and we eat the fish and we're eating the fish with the microplastics in it. So it's like, it's just, there's so much of it in the world. It's unavoidable. It's just a part of our daily lives. And we, we made this mess and we're, we're being affected by it. It's, it's unavoidable. It's just everywhere.
0: Do you know from your research of any direct line to health issues caused by microplastics? That, (laughs) that's going to be kind of a, I've, I've read articles and reports
1: that do tie some of our health issues that we're seeing to that. And then other ones that kind of are kind of a little more lukewarm on that idea. So it's like, I haven't found like definitive things. It's it's, depending on what reports you read, you'll hear different things about
0: the health impacts. I think that it falls partially for me into the category of, it goes back to, um, there was somebody testifying before congress mm-hmm. about water safety and it was a person from the EPA and there was pushback from some senators around having to put certain amounts of restrictions on the amount of arsenic that mm-hmm. was detected in water and this person from the EPA brought out a gallon bucket of water and an eyedropper and said, the eyedropper contains arsenic. Now I'm going to start putting drops of water, uh, drops of arsenic into this bucket of water. You tell me when to stop and then we'll both drink the water <laughs> that pushed the conversation from what's the acceptable level yes. to really recognizing, like we shouldn't be arguing about what the maximum is we should be arguing about how to get to as little as possible if not gone. Yes. And this for me is that I don't hear anybody saying well I think the microplastics are a good idea. No. I think pushing back on introducing something like that into our ecosystem is the right idea simply because. I don't want to be eating that. Well, at a minimum level, it's
1: causing us a minor problem at a a best case scenario. It's a minor issue for our health. It's like, there's no arguing that it is having some kind of impact on us, but how severe that is, is where the debate comes in and the reports that you read, the types of plastics we're consuming. So it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know, it's almost a red herring. It's like, No amount of plastic is probably a good thing to be consuming. It's not a natural thing. It's man-made. Some plastics can leach chemicals into your body, so it's not a good thing to consume. We should be avoiding it.
0: Finally, there's this from Scout339 who wrote, I feel like this would be a great medium for 3D printing filament for people that are prototyping before printing in a standard plastic. Would sure Mm -hmm. make me feel better about throwing away failed prints. I think it's an interesting, like offshoot into like, what else could this be taken into? Are you aware of any other industries that are looking at this as, okay, we could embrace this and use this in other ways?
1: Not yet. No. But the, that, when I saw that comment, I was like, absolutely. That's, that's a smart thing. I don't know if you've ever had experience, Sean, with 3d printing, but man, depending on what kind of filaments you're using, it is, it is toxic like because it's heating this plastic and the fumes are just downright toxic you have to have proper ventilation or you could make yourself very very sick mm. um and that's just from 3d printing in your home <laughs> it's like yeah plastics are really bad for us and if we can find better solutions like like this like it, not that the fumes would be healthier from this necessarily but the fact that it would be a failed print is not contributing to this problem because you can just Compost your your failed prints, and it just goes back into the earth. Right, that's pretty cool. I I love that idea.
0: That is a good idea. So, before we sign off, I want to throw out a question for the listeners and viewers. I'm curious: Do any of you live in an area where this kind of algae cleanup is a major public concern? And how has your community responded? Are you aware of, or have you seen this kind of public private response that is leading to this kind of new product on the market let us know you can do so in the comments below the youtube video or you can find the contact information in the podcast description while you're doing that please do subscribe whether it's at youtube or on your favorite podcast provider don't forget there are ways to directly support the podcast beyond listening you can go to stilltbd.fm and find the support the podcast link there Or you can just keep doing what you're doing, listening to us, watching us, looking at our smiling faces. Be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew punishes us all. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.